Can you believe it? Has it sunk in yet? Have you touched the reality of what's happening? The Chicago Cubs are the best team in baseball today. Let's give them a hand, huh? I know many of you have prayed that this day would come. Right? And God answers prayers in different ways. Either says yes or no. Well, if he says no, we don't think he's answered the prayer, but he has. Or wait. So we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And God said, this year. And he gave us a great gift. Let's celebrate. And I sing Go Cubs Go and get some candy. Watch out. The candy's going to be flying at you. Go Cubs Go! Go Cubs Go! Take it all in, you know. <laughs> I mean, they played uh, so well. And uh, some pictures here. This is, of course, when they had won it. Oh, that last game. Oh, it almost gave me a heart attack. You know, really. I was texting with my brothers, and you know, I saw it started to rain. He said, I hope they don't have a rain delay. And then the tarp boys come out. and You know, back in the old days, uh, when I was growing up, when there was a rain delay, they would show old baseball highlight reels. Anybody remember that? Yeah, okay. And I watched some of them. I'm waiting for the game to come back. Uh, wow. But as you probably heard, that rain delay uh, was very, very critical. The Cubs winning, right? Because it was Jared who got all the guys together, a senior player, and uh, he said, hey, guys, you know, you are great. You are great, and I love you, and we need to win this 114th game. Gave him a time to kind of put things in perspective, and boom, they came out of the dugout, and they won the game. Oh, it was a nail biter, no doubt. Uh, but it's so, so fun. Think about Harry Carey, huh? Cubs win! Cubs win! Yes, sir. How many remember Harry Carey? How about Jack Burkhouse? Yeah, you got it. This was the parade, a uh, series of buses that held all the Cubs and their families. How many saw the parade on TV? Okay. 
How many were there? Oh, Matt, you were there? Really? <laughs> okay. Very good. Who else was there? Okay, anybody at uh, Grant Park? Raise your hand. You there, Grant Park, Christian? Really? Really? Wow. All right, so could you point out where you are here? Come on, come on up, Tristan. You know, you just, just, just. <laughs> oh. Ah. Wow. Can you talk to me afterwards and. Just tell me more. I watched it on my computer. It just wasn't quite the same. <laughs> you know, when you talk about the Chicago Cubs, it's amazing how much money people spent. I know a lot of people went into debt over this series. You just got to imagine it, right? I mean, just to be in the bar down there in Wrigleyville... A thousand dollars to get in to watch a game that's happening in Cleveland? Who has a thousand dollars to watch the game in the bar? I don't, but somebody spent that money. And there was a couple. And they bought two tickets that totaled thirty eight thousand dollars. What were were they sitting next to Madden in the dugout? I mean, what's going on there? You can buy a lot of things for $38,000. That's incredible. I was talking to Matt, and he was talking about a couple that he knew. I guess they had bought multiple tickets for, you know, the different series. And uh, they must have spent almost $10,000. Where did they get $10,000, right? Now, it's just, it's just so wonderful to celebrate with your team. Don't worry, socks. You're just another 70 years or something. But uh, we'll pray for you. you know. But there's something that's so, so wonderful about it. But what we're going to be talking about today, and for going through November, you're talking about uh, how many of us are scrapped. Many of us are scrapped. We just don't have enough money because we're typically... In debt, I mean, okay, I can be a wonderful Cub fan uh, and still keep my eyes on Jesus. That's the key theme here. We want to keep our hope in Jesus because He's the only one that can satisfy, right? But if you look at this coffin here, who are, you buy that thing, $2,300, who are they putting their hope in? The clubs? <laughs> uh, most likely, if a person is buried in this coffin, uh, they didn't have Jesus at the center of their life. I have no idea. But, you know, at the end of your life, you don't want to brandish your team, per se. You want to brandish Jesus. He was the most important thing in my life. In fact, I was thinking of Dean Brand. Is he here? 
Dean Brandt. He makes burial vaults. I was wondering if they made cub burial vaults or not, but whatever. Oh, you, you guys make cub burial vaults? And do people actually have you do that? Uh, no, we've not done a couple of them. But you've done other teams. Okay. We've had to paint a factory. Yeah. Have you ever seen this before? I have not, no. Yeah, okay. Just wondering. Thanks, bud. <laughs> All right. Again, we're doing this series because we want to keep our hope in Christ. But we all need to remember we're in a spiritual battle zone. Satan wants us to take our focus off of Jesus Christ. Satan wants to distract us. So when he distracts us, we're not keeping our hope in Jesus Christ. We're not fully living for Him. And... Uh, you know, it's great disappointment to Christ. So, you know, it's so easy to let, let your hopes slip or drift. So you know that satisfaction can only be found in Jesus Christ. But sometimes He is not the center of your life. You drift. And maybe... Lady, it's your home, decorating your home that seems to be the most, one of the most important things, or guys, <laughs> buying, you know, stuff at Home Depot, or maybe their cars, that kind of thing, and other people, they put a lot of money into pleasure in terms of going out to eat, and uh, vacations, they get nothing wrong with this stuff. The problem is... When it becomes more important to you, it becomes your hope in life, the thing that truly satisfies you, and you don't believe Jesus Christ will truly satisfy you. And friends, this, wherever you are on your journey with Jesus, you've got to keep coming back to the center. That's, that's why we gather together. It's one of the reasons it, is to get some realignment. You know, we're out in the world all week, you know, getting bombarded by all these messages that are lies. So we get together here in small groups to realign, you know, get more focused on Jesus. Now I know some people would say, oh no, they're talking about money again. I've been to church so many times. I don't know if I can stand it. <laughs> well, friends, I am very excited about this series. Some people say, Dan, well, don't you feel kind of uncomfortable? No, I don't feel uncomfortable because, you see, the principles I will teach you out of Scripture will give you freedom. Freedom in your financial life. Freedom in your walk with Jesus. And I know it sounds a little different, but it is true. I've talked to so many couples. We'll have some up uh, during this month about uh, when they decide to give regularly to the Lord. They really transform their lives because that's where, it, that's where it should be. I want to say another thing. A lot of people feel guilty when we talk about this issue. And uh, there's no reason to feel guilty. I mean, if you have made other things your hope and 
It's pushing to debt for whatever reason. Uh, again, Jesus Christ already forgave that sin on the cross, didn't He? Right? Past, present, and future. So don't be beating yourself up, right? You, you, you just confess to God, Lord, I agree. I agree that I have done stupid things with my money. But I want to come back to you. I want my heart to be committed to you. So again, no guilt here. Okay, there are consequences, obviously. But don't write under the guilt. If you truly can come to God and genuinely say, I have mismanaged my money. I, I mismanaged your money. It's God's money, right? We're just uh, told to manage it when we're down here on earth. So, all I have to say is, the reason I love giving these series is because I see people freed from financial bondage. And then also, I see people turn their hearts back to God. Well, we've got the four different weeks here. A godly perspective on money, that's today. Act your wage, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Act your wage. Yeah, talking about how to manage debt and, you know, live with the right type of lifestyle that God wants. Uh, putting God first. God wants always be, He wants you to pay Him first. Okay? Don't pay some stupid credit card company. Uh, don't pay any utility. But when you pay Him first, you're honoring Him and you're saying, Hey God, You're the one who created me. You're the one who gives me life. And you're on the top of my priority list. Putting God first. And then the buck starts here. Talking about saving and investing. So I encourage you to be here. If you can't be here, you know, listen to the podcast. And uh, hopefully it will be helpful to you. Let's start out with Proverbs 22.7. The rich rules over the poor... And the bower is a slave of the lender. Okay? So a bower means, of course, you have a debt with a person, is a slave of the lender. So many Americans are in bondage to money, they are a slave. They're a servant of money because they're trying to manage it all and they're not coming back to Jesus to do it. They're just trying to do it on their own. And you don't want to be bondage to money, do you? You want to be in bondage to Jesus Christ because He paid the price for your sin and He has so much for you. But again, we get away from it and we do stupid things with money. Has anybody done stupid things with your money? Raise your hand. All right. Now talk to the person next to you who's not raising their hand saying, Come on, give me a break. <laughs> all right? We've all done stupid things with money. We just have to accept that. I'm so glad our teenagers are in today because, uh, you know, you guys, if you can uh, really... Or your parents uh, or somebody can make this a priority and really teach you good 
biblical money management at your age, I tell you, you can be saved from so many, so many problems, so many frustrations, so much tension in your marriage. You know, but I would encourage every student here. We have a Financial Peace University. Uh, I hope to run in January, which kind of gives you all the instructions. And but I mean, wouldn't you say the same thing, young people, you people who are older? Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Yes, yes, because we look at the mistakes we made, and and, and if if we don't teach our young people how to manage their money, they're going to just make the same mistakes. I just appreciate Matt so much and uh, his discipleship of our teens and the wisdom uh, that he brings. Let's take a couple of different uh, stats here, look at a couple of different stats. The average household debt is 136%. So let's say you make in a year $100,000. The typical debt is that you owe one hundred and $36,000. Okay? That's not good. That's not good. Average credit card debt, $14,517. And the reason I teach this with so much passion, because I've made stupid decisions with money, and now that I'm older, I'm trying to do better. Right? And... uh I really want to free you from the pain you're experiencing and really help you see it through God's eyes. You are forgiven. You need to really ask the Holy Spirit to have a hyper focus on Jesus. And you can make a lot of progress in getting out of a financial hole, whatever it might be. But first, you have to turn your heart toward Jesus. Living paycheck to paycheck. 55% of Americans do this, which means if they lost their job, they wouldn't have the money to pay the mortgage the next week or pay utilities, things of that nature. And just another key reason why we need to, I mean, some of you guys are doing a great job managing your money and you've got your focus on Jesus and praise God. But again, everybody's a different place on the discipleship journey. So if you just became a Christ follower a year ago, this is like all new to you, right? But again, we do this every year because Jesus Christ talked more about money than anything. Can you imagine that? Money and possessions. Two-thirds of the parables that Jesus shared were about money and possessions 500 verses on faith in the gospel 500 verses on prayer 2,000 2,000 verses on money so when people say well you shouldn't be talking about money well I just talk about what Jesus talks about (laughs) because Jesus knew that that was the key that you need to have your heart focused on him and he knew how easily we get distracted to Put our hope in other things. I say one thing about this. Obviously, it's because of our sin that God is forgiven. But our culture does not encourage us to manage our money financially. 
you see all these retirement commercials, which again are good and everything, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of Americans are not ready for retirement. You know? But, but, but beyond the retirement commercial, which is good, you've got all these other messages come back at you. How many have received a request uh, to start a new line of credit with some credit card company in the last month? Raise your hand high. Oh, of course. They're constantly sending it to you. Why are they sending it to you? Because you're a responsible person who pays your debt on time. And so they know if we're going to steal money from a person, this is the person to do it. Right? Jack their debt up a little more and, and we'll, we'll earn even more. I, I tell you, when you get that credit card request in the mail, there's a phone number, call them and say, why are you trying to make me bankrupt? Yeah. When they offer you a woman, are you kidding me? Are you trying to get me into debt? Yeah, maybe not. You know, goals. Everybody has a credit card. Oh, it makes it so convenient, you know. And I save money. I saved 20% 20 years ago that I'm still paying off. Right? It's all instantaneous. It's all emotional, the decisions that we make. And that's why we have to be on guard against these things. The get-rich-quick <laughs> schemes out there. I mean... Bottom line, our culture tells us you need money and you need a lot more than you have right now because there's so many wonderful things you could buy, so many wonderful things you could experience. And so, so many Americans and Christ followers fall into that trap that they get lost in a moment. And like I was talking to Steve uh, Gills uh, after the last service, and he was at one of these charity auctions and uh, they had $600 uh, would buy you four box seats next April or May. And he said, Dan, you know, God, God just told me no. I don't need to spend that kind of money. Right? Because we're, we're kind of swept along by the emotion. And I tell you what, merchandising, Cubs merchandising five times more than the average team right now, right? Unbelievable. Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's very important to understand, okay? So, your heart is what you desire, okay? Let's say you guys want a certain type of car, and uh, you know that it's going to put you in a tough financial situation, but still, you want the car. So what happens is, is your heart is where the car's at. Okay? And then the treasure just follows the heart. Oh, we're so good at rationalizing, aren't we? Oh, man, I tell you. We all doctor degrees in, in rationalizing our decisions. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. You don't want your heart to be in a car. You don't want your heart to be in your house. 
You don't want your heart to be in your job. None of those. You want your heart with Jesus Christ. He is your hope. Our culture says money is the answer. That's your hope. That's your security. Back in 2008, right? What a devastating time for so many families. It was was terrible. Because they lost their jobs. And their retirement accounts, you know, took a significant hit. And I just say that. Because sometimes we build up this false sense of security. Well, I've got my money saved. Good to save money. Good to invest in the future. But you're putting your confidence in that. And that's why you hold on to your money. Because that's your hope. And you don't obey Jesus, you know, by giving to Him. By giving to your local church. By giving to missionaries. No, because I'm in control. And that's what we need to learn, is to let go of the control. Uh, this, I think it was last weekend. How many know Samantha Gotch? Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, she was a great friend. And boy, she had a lot of energy, didn't she? <laughs> she was a bundle of energy. But uh, she was in an accident, and she died. At 37 years old. Hey, that's not fair. No, no, no way. That, that's not what I've been promised. I, I promised to be good to at least 70. <laughs> no. Life is uncertain. That's why you need to engage in every day and just be content with your life as it is. And enjoy the people around you. Because really, you think about people. They're the most meaningful thing in life other than God, right? Your relationships. I know you guys just, uh, you, you make it great for me. All the love you give me and things of that nature. and It's really wonderful being a pastor, you know. But my desire is to love you and to minister to you and help you and challenge you. So again, and this is critical to understand. Let's say you're having a lot of financial problems and you say, oh, God will never forgive me. Well, if you're Christ follower, He's already forgiven you. And uh, then you confess it. You agree with God. I've done stupid things with my money. And then you do everything, the power of the Holy Spirit, to stay on track and put your focus on Jesus Christ alone as the only, only hope that you have. And when you do that, Jesus is going to arrange everything else around you and make your life so much better. So the heart choice that we see in the next couple of verses, you can serve mammon or you can serve God. Now, mammon was the name of an Assyrian god, uh, the god of riches. And that's the word money, mammon, right? So we look at this verse, Luke sixteen thirteen. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and 
your local hobby, or your hobby, that is. <laughs> well, why money, right? I mean, who serves money? A lot of us do. How do we serve money? We're in bondage to it. And I think it's very interesting in this verse, just the contrast of how Jesus Christ... Because sometimes we think, oh yeah, well I'll drift a little bit over here. That's no problem. You know, it's not that big a deal in my life. Or I'll drift a little bit over here. That's no problem. Well, it is a problem. For either He will hate the one and love the other. Oh, don't... Don't make such a strong line like that. <laughs> I love God, you know, but I love money. No! Your heart is in either place. Or will be devoted to the one and despise the other. This is, this speaks of God's passion that His children would focus on Him, spend their money building His kingdom, spending their time, serving. Alright? And God is so jealous of us in the sense that, hey, I bought you and you're my child and I want to follow you. Then when you talk about drifting off, it's a pretty strong statement. Do you despise God? I don't despise God. Well, if you don't have your focus in Jesus Christ, you are. Do you hate God? Well... Money's number one. Yeah. You hate God. I always found that very interesting how uh, radical it is, right? But, but I tell you what, this gives us an indication of how much God hates sin. You know, I mean, we're used to, you know, kind of <laughs> doing whatever, rationalizing that way. But God is holy and He cannot stand sin. And what He wants more than anything from you is your heart passion to be with Him and for your treasure to follow. Well, why does my treasure have to follow? What's the big deal with that? Because it's a spiritual principle that you see throughout Scripture. What your heart is focused on, your treasure is going to follow. Well, God doesn't need my money. Come on. Oh. That's not the way he built this world. Think of an organization, a church like Springbrook here. I mean, we have a lot of expenses, and you guys are so generous. I want to thank you for that. You're so generous. Um, but again, that's the way God designed the church, that people would come together and they would give. And that would support the ministry of the church. Okay, so you put, put your heart there and then your treasure follows. It, it's like it's a spiritual barometer of how you're doing spiritually in terms of how much of focus is your love for God. Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And he was talking to people who were impoverished, who hardly had anything, maybe one set of clothes, and that was it. And he's saying, hey, don't worry about that. Trust in me. 
All these things will be added to you. So, again, if you focus your heart on Christ, if He's the great love of your life, He's your Lord, then God will take care of you. God will provide everything else. I just know so, so many families in our congregation you know, have gone through such tough financial times. You know, whenever they're downsized and lost their job. And uh, I tell you what, those of you who have walked through that, you know, you've been an inspiration to me of incredible faith. Incredible faith. But that it hurts so much, I know. And I'm sorry. But again, God's got a special class for you. And learning to depend upon God. And I just hear story after story after story. And Jane Howard was uh, in the atrium and she came out to me and she said, You know, we bought a house we couldn't afford. And uh, then, it was years ago, uh, you know, I just fell on my knees and said, God, help me. And within a couple of days, she got the best job she ever had. It always doesn't work like that though, right? You know, I mean, life is uncertain and we figure God owes something to us. Uh, we really got to turn that type of thinking around. But God loves us. Want to serve God. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Deuteronomy 8.17 Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Now, we all struggle with pride in different areas of our life, don't we? Like, yeah, I'm so much better than other people because of the way I dress, because of what I've accomplished academically or on the sports field. Or Other people are just idiots. That's bottom line. I'm the only really smart one around here. Okay, that's pride. That's pride. And you think that's because of you, because you're so smart and you're so wise and you're so tuned into life. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with you. I don't care what you've accomplished. Just come back from the Olympics, gold medal. I could care less. Because every good thing comes from God. And He chooses for you to have it. And when you have wonderful blessings in your life, you should give thanks to God. Because who gave you that intelligence to get great grades? God did. And we go out and say, well, I worked really hard. Well, we know you did. But God gave you the effort to work that hard. And you can't cut it any other way. It's always God. You know, I've taken such good care of myself. Um, well, God prompted you to do that, right? So again, anybody stood up and said, well, I tell you what, I am a self-made man. And I would say, you <laughs> are, are going down the wrong track. You know, you're deluded. That's what it is. Every breath comes from God. Now, let's do that. I'll take a deep breath in. 
Now that breath was from God. That breath was from God. Right? You are, you are alive on this earth today because God wants you to be alive. I often think that. I think, well, you know, I could be dead. Right? I mean, I could have died, died 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So that, that just gave me such thanksgiving toward God in terms of how he has cared for me and how he's given me uh, a longer life and wonderful children, wonderful wife. You know, again, this is Thanksgiving, right? November. And I would encourage you guys to, how many, how many keep a gratitude journal? Anybody do that? Michelle, okay, anybody else? All right, Larry does. Anybody else? Okay, you do? All right. Oh, this is my encouragement to you for November. Every day, I want you to start a list. And every day, you put three things down that you're thankful for about that day. Well, there's not that many things. Yes, there is. Come on. You know, uh, you, you could fill sheets and sheets if you really thought of it. But friends, if you do that and, and you praise God for what He's given you, that is going to change your outview, your out, way you view life. Because usually we're saying, well, yeah, why don't I have this? And what, why not God? What are you doing here? You know, that's our, we want more, right? I mean, but, but you have to do is you have to list the things that God does for you. And then when you're in that mood where, where's God? Pull out the gratitude journal, you know, and say, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. We just have to focus on praising God. Verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is today. So, if you feel so led, start that gratitude journal. Three things a day. And if you have to think too hard, that means that you have not cultivated the skill of identifying God's blessings. You sit down here and Put 20 things together very easily. Right? Only half of the day. That's just because I've... Well, God, again, has enabled me to be able to say, okay, that's an important thing, Dan. You need to write that down. And I tell you. I mean, even Oprah said it. But <laughs> we don't want to listen to Oprah. All right, Luke 12, 15. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's interesting here because he was talking to poor people and they didn't have a whole lot, you know. He says, be on your guard against all covetousness. Yeah, I mean, we could all probably sit down and write a quick list of who we're jealous of. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, for whatever reason, I want what that person has. And it's greed. When was the last time, you know, you were in a small group and asking prayer requests and, hey guys, if you could just pray for me, 
I'm just really a greedy person. Anybody heard any type of requests like that? Well, no! We don't want to admit we're greedy people. And sometimes we don't even identify it. That's why we study the Word and the Holy Spirit reveals things to us. Yes, you are greedy. I am greedy. And you'll be greedy till the day you die. And that's why the Holy Spirit has to lead you and you need to submit to Jesus Christ and focus on Him to get away from the greedy side of things. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That's our culture right there, right? Your life consists of the stuff you have and the experiences you can buy. And it is not true. Nothing can satisfy except Jesus Christ. Oh. Ignore that woman. That's Becky Atkinson. She'll be coming up soon. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, a study was done by college. And they asked people of all income levels, all ages, all different types of jobs. They said, how much more money would it take to keep you satisfied? I mean, how much more money do you have to have? And then you say, it's good. That's good. I'm content with my life. I've been blessed supernaturally. What do you think that number was? 10%. Over and over again. 10%. Yeah, if I can get 10% more, then I'm living on easy street and I can relax about all this money stuff, you know. No. Now, back in the good old days, you might have gotten a raise over several years that might have been 10%. But of course, we live in different times. And uh, what do you think people say when they get the 10%? Oh, that's great. Finally, I can be content. What do they say? What do they need when they get the 10%? What do they need? Tell me. More and another 10%. You know? I mean, we are just creatures of greed. and We're surrounded by a culture that teaches us, hey, feed the greed monster within you. So I want to ask you, Think about your life and uh, think about where you're greedy. Think about that area where you take your focus off of Jesus Christ and you become greedy. We all have greed in our lives. And uh, it's something we need to confess to the Lord. We need to be aware of it. Because greed hides itself through our rationalizations. And ask yourself, am I truly focused on Christ? Because I've been maybe rationalizing that I am, but when I read that verse, it's a dichotomy, right? Money or God. And what can I do? And I just want to encourage you, those of you who are struggling with finances, uh, God has forgiven you, and God wants to help you. 
but you have to follow his lead. You need to submit to his lordship, which a lot of people don't want to do. They still want to have, you know, the wheel of the car in their hands. Well, let's pray. Dear Father, I want to thank you uh, for this glorious morning. Uh, so good to be with family. And Lord, I just pray that uh, people would take these thoughts home, these verses home. Just take some time to meditate upon them. And I pray that if they're led to start a gratitude journal, just for November, just a short-time commitment, three times a day, what are you grateful for? And I know, Lord, the Holy Spirit will use that to bring about a great measure of contentment to their lives. In Christ's name, amen.